Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello once again here. Glad to have you tuning in for this hour of The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond. Now, when you were a child, did you ever sign up for any sort of fan club? I mean, now most of the the fan club kind of thing, it's done by following somebody or something on social media, whatever you like or the, the person that you, you're interested in. Uh, but before the age of social media... You'd have to mail in a letter or some sort of registration card, and then you'd wait. You'd just wait and watch the mailbox for the next several days, the next few weeks, knowing that you should be seeing a response coming soon. I did this not only for fan clubs. I did it with different things when I was growing up. Sometimes it was sending in some of the proofs of purchase from a particular type of breakfast cereal, and you know they had some special toy or some sort of prize, and uh, mail off for that. And there were a few of those fan clubs that I mailed off to as a kid. It was usually the case that after that first week or two of waiting, I'd be checking the mail each day. I, I would be you know, anxiously watching, is anything here yet? Is anything here yet? But after that first one or two weeks, I'd start to forget that something was coming. And then several weeks later, after I'd completely forgotten about it, I'd get home from school, I'd see some sort of letter or some package there, it, probably on the kitchen table, you know, was where my mom would put it, but it had my name on it. And then, oh, I, I remembered, I've been waiting for this, and my excitement, my enthusiasm come back just like that. One of the fan clubs I joined, I think I was maybe six years old at the time, it was for G.I. Joe, their fan club this was early 80s. It was called the G.I. Joe Mobile Strike Force Team. Now, I only had a few little action figures. I wasn't actually some huge fan of G.I. Joe. Anyway, I, I'm not sure if it was for Christmas or if it was on my birthday, but I had received a couple of new G.I. Joe toys, and inside the packaging there, there was this little registration card that you could mail in, and if you sent $3 along with that card, you'd be signed up as part of their Mobile Strike Force team, this fan club. So I sent it in, and then within that next week or two, I forgot about it. But then it finally came in the mail. And I have to say, it was a pretty good little fan club kit. They sent me my own personalized dog tag chain, um, you know, real metal. It wasn't some sort of fake one. Had my name on it. Had my address on it. There was also a military uh, cloth belt with a metal belt buckle. It was pretty decent quality, too. Uh, there was a large G.I. Joe wall poster. There was this introductory newsletter. There was a G.I. Joe iron-on decal. You could iron that onto a plain T-shirt and turn it into a G.I. Joe t-shirt. Uh, oh, and there was this little plastic 
official membership card that came along. On the front, you could put your name. You could write it in. On the back, it had their mission statement. And since we now live in the age of the internet, and you, you know, it seems like you can find almost anything online, I looked up to see, had anybody posted a copy of that G.I. Joe membership card? And sure enough, I found it. It's out there. <laughs> Multiple copies. And I read through that mission statement on the back. As a child of six reading through that, I would have considered it a grave responsibility to uphold the ideals and the obligations of membership as being part of the G.I. Joe fan club. They had words in the mission statement like duty and honor and courage, and they said things like you were supposed to treat all tactics and plans as top secret. And I don't know if there's any two words that would make you feel more important as a young boy in the early 80s than knowing that you had access to top secret information, something that not anybody else could see. Well, turning to today, looking well beyond childhood, you know, the fan club or the inner circle, we all, I think, in one way or another, all of us, in some manner, we want to be part of some sort of special inner circle. We want to have that special bond with a group or, or, or that special membership. And of course, then the privileges, the benefits that come along with that membership. We even have this as followers of Christ. As baptized Christians, we are members of a very special group, really kind of the most exclusive group that you could ever imagine. But at the same time, any person has the potential. They can become a member. And there is this kind of membership gift pack, so to speak, that you receive when you become a member of the body of Christ. When you are baptized into the faith, you have access to special gifts given from the Holy Spirit. But do you know what those gifts are? And do you know which ones you have? There's also another category that we call the fruits of the Spirit. Same question for you as before. Do you know what those fruits are? And do you have those fruits of the Holy Spirit growing in abundance in your life? Well, this is what we're going to talk about today here on The Inner Life, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And I'm very glad to welcome to the program for his very first time here joining us on The Inner Life, Father Paul Hazing. Father Hazing is a priest in the Archdiocese of Omaha, and he is the President Rector of Kenrick Lennon Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri. Father Hazing, so glad to have you here on the Inner Life. Uh, so, are you were you a GI Joe fan growing up? Uh, thanks for welcoming me, Josh, and I appreciate the time with you. Uh, GI Joe, uh, I wasn't in any fan club. I grew up on a farm, so we just kind of did our own GI Joe in the woods, and <laughs> we had our own guns and. Forts you had your and, own wilderness survival out there. We did. We That's did. Awesome. Everything was top secret. Don't let Dad, Mom know what we're doing on here. So <laughs> it was a. Uh, it was fun. That's great. So you're, you're a priest from Omaha. Is that where you kind of grew up then, uh, Nebraska farmland out there? I grew up about uh, 167 miles from Omaha, way up in the northeast corner of Nebraska by the Missouri River. Um, it's, a, it's a heavily German Catholic area. I think they have about 10 parishes, uh, parishes in a kind of a, a small radius there. So it was, um, it was, a, it was a family farm, uh, an operation that... Uh, my dad ran with his dad, so grandpa and grandma were just down the road, and two younger brothers, now married. I've got seven nieces and nephews, and um, they're nearby the farm. They're not far away from dad, and, and uh, mom, of course, uh, she was on the farm constantly 
maintaining things because dad also taught high school. So it was a, it was a family operation, that's for sure. Well, so out of that, um, what kind of was your journey then into the priesthood? You know, that's a great question. I, even though I've worked as a vocation director and now work in vocations with the seminarians uh, for the last 14 years, that story keeps changing. Um, I keep realizing there are more elements to it, there, there are more pieces to it, but the basic story uh, was this. We, we grew up a mile away from the church, so often we get called in, my brother and I, who's two and a half years younger than I was, uh, he, he and I would often get called in to serve masses, and usually those masses would be funerals on a Saturday morning or a, or a wedding on a Saturday afternoon. And so being very close to the sacraments with the priest as an altar boy uh, led to a, a sort of wonderment, watching the priest serve the people in this way. And then in the high school, uh, there were about five priests teaching in my Catholic high school, which is astonishing to think about. Because uh, we only had about 50 kids per class, you know, 200 in the whole school. But to have five priests teaching meant we had this uh, almost daily contact with the priest in his area of expertise. Some were good with history, some were good with morality, some were good with just telling stories. And, and they were teachers in the high school. And so my dad teaching high school next door and these priests teaching in, in my high school, I, I saw the fatherhood of priesthood. And, I started to move from wonderment to, could this be for me? Uh, and, and to see those two fatherhoods, I, I knew I wanted to be a father and a husband. I knew that was in my bones, but could this priesthood be something Jesus is asking of me? And I was terrified at the thought of it. Tried running for a while, um, but eventually after two years of college, said I can't decide this by myself. I, I need others with me to help me discern this. And that's the seminary. Mm. So that's beautiful. So now you are there as the head of a seminary yourself. Uh, mm. Have have you been able, has your own experience then of just not sure where God was leading, but finally looking for that help that to discern where God was calling you into your vocation? I, I have to presume that gives you just such a heart for the seminarians that are coming in there. It absolutely does, and if, you know, one of my favorite stories of a young priest working in a seminary, he, he was daunted by the task, and an older priest said to him, hey, brother, are you, are you working on your own stuff? And he says, yeah, I am. I got my own stuff I'm working on with the Lord. And he said, good, you'll be a good formator. <laughs> so uh, coming into seminary isn't about having some guru knowledge status. It's really about being very human, very vulnerable, very generous in sharing what the Lord has done so that the men feel safe in this house, safe enough to make mistakes, to say whatever they need to say, to talk about whatever they need to talk about, safe enough to really discern so that the priesthood is a gift and not an achievement. And I, I, I tell this to anybody who comes in the building, we're not interested in, in the men here becoming priests. We're interested in the men listening to God. And so if a man's listening to God, uh, he's going to have a, a very fruitful life. So any man who moves toward priesthood or uh, moves toward marriage, uh, he's not leaving the seminary. He's following Jesus. Right. 
Right. Well, that's, that's just the key. <laughs> that's that's a good life rule, you know. Right. Listen for God and where He's leading, and uh, mm-hmm. doesn't matter whether that's into the seminary, into some sort of religious life, or if it's mm-hmm. married life, whatever it is, that mm-hmm. that should be where all of us want to look. So, well, Father, thanks for sharing a little bit of your background. Today we want to look, as I said, at the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruits of the Holy Spirit. But before we get into those two categories, um, I think it's really important for us to understand who the Holy Spirit actually is, at, at least in as much as we can kind of try and understand it in a limited capacity, which will always be the case for us as humans, as finite creatures, trying to understand how an infinite God has revealed himself to us. But the Holy Spirit is probably, I would guess for most of us, the least known of the three persons of the Trinity, maybe the most mysterious, um, a bit of an enigma maybe, but mm-hmm. also the one that's actively at work in us. You know, the, the Holy Spirit is the one that Jesus promised to send. You know, mm-hmm. when I leave you, I will send the Comforter. So where do we start to try and understand who the Holy Spirit is? I think we start with God, who has revealed himself as a trinity of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the way in which we're invited to understand the Holy Spirit from Scripture and from tradition is it's the very love between the Father and the Son. If you were to give it um, a, a natural analogy, uh, George loves Susie, Susie loves George, and they love each other in a married life that enfleshes itself in a child, that their, the very love between the two of them becomes a, a child, the fruit of their love. And so in, in, that, in that love between the Father and the Son, the communion between them is the Holy Spirit. And so I, I would invite people to think in relational terms, because we're talking about relations as persons. We become who we are by being with someone. And the Holy Spirit is the relational life of God that we're brought into. And so it's not a thing that's given. It's not a part of God. It's not just a, um, something that we can consume. I think, I think the American mentality is, is so consumeristic or mechanistic or pragmatic that the Holy Spirit becomes this thing I get so that I can be something better. And uh, I put in my two cents so as to get something more. And, and so to, to be really liberating ourselves from that vending machine sense of God to I'm being drawn into this life in the Holy Spirit. And that relational life is, is described by Fulton Sheen, I think, the best. He says, the Holy Spirit is the love principle. The love between the Father and the Son is the Holy Spirit. And so we see the love principle. It's invisible, but it's at work in a person. And it's always at work from the moment of our baptism. And he, he gives the story of, um, if, you, if you give me a, a moment, I'll try to recollect as best I can. He gives the story of a young man. And um, the man is living with his parents. And he's um, living in his parents' basement. He's, he's 24 years old. He doesn't have a job. He's playing video games. He's eating Cheetos and he's not doing his laundry. He has terrible hygiene. And he's generally angry and usually short and not very grateful. 
and often sad. And that's Joe in the basement of his parents' house. So picture that man. But then, over a number of weeks, the parents start to notice that Joe is washing his hair. He's got a haircut. He's cleaned his room. He's got not one job, but two jobs. He's grateful. He's smiling more. He's not playing video games. He's got new hobbies. He's out more. He's got friends. What has happened to Joe? Well, Joe met Sheila. And so Fulton Sheen's point is, Sheila is the love principle. Sheila has entered his life, giving him a relational experience of love that has moved him out of this slumber and slumming and into this life of virtue and a life of really being alive. He's more free and he's more himself. And that's the love principle. That's one way of understanding the love principle <clears throat> and how transformative it is. Uh, that's a beautiful example. Um, you know, as we want to be talking about the gifts and the fruits of the Holy Spirit here this hour too, um, I, I think having that kind of foundational understanding that these gifts, these fruits, they're coming from a place of ultimate and infinite love that God has for us. Um, it, it it means that you know this isn't something where we look at it. I guess kind of going back to you know what you said about God, we don't want to treat God as if there's some sort of vending machine ideology there that I do this, God gives me this in return. Same with the gifts that we're talking about today. It's not that we're doing something to necessarily earn them because we couldn't. It's not because God is doing this so that he can put some sort of burden on us outside of us knowing and loving and serving him as to the best of our ability. But again, he's just looking for us to bring that love, like you're saying, kind of come out of our own selfishness, our own inner self that a lot of times we want to stay in bring us out so that we we not only experience love for, you know, uh, the love of him, but that we experience being able to love him back. Amen. That's right. And that's that's the kingdom that's come. Thy will be done. That's what we want. The kingdom is a is a life of relationship. Uh, when we when we talk about this month of November, for example, we, we think about the four last things, death, judgment, heaven and hell. And we all got heaven in us through the gift and power of the Holy Spirit, this relational life of communion that's promised in its fullness in heaven, but needs to be tasted here now, and meant to be tasted here now. But we also have a bit of hellishness, and, and the hellishness is described by C.S. Lewis the best when he says at the end of life, there'll be two uh, moments. Uh, for those who've been praying, thy will be done, they are ushered into that heavenly communion because they've been living in communion. And then our Lord says to others, Thy will be done. They've been living in self-absorption. And that's one way to describe hell is eternal self-absorption. And uh, the Holy Spirit liberates us from that. Yeah. And so, great point. Uh, Father, need to take a short break here, but when we come back, let's start really diving into both the gifts of the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. and the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Have, have at least kind of a, a, a good, solid starting point here with understanding 
the Holy Spirit as the third person of the Trinity. But again, uh, talking here today with Father Paul Hazing, he is the president, rector of Kenrick Glennon Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri, and also want to open up the phone lines for your calls. Uh, Maybe you are listening and you have a question about what gift of the Holy Spirit you have. How do you discern what the, the Holy Spirit has given you? Or how you might be able to grow in one of those fruits of the Holy Spirit. We'll continue our conversation in just a moment, but again, our, you're welcome to join the conversation. The phone number here, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. You can also email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. More to come in just a moment on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This hour is sponsored by St. Gregory Recovery Center, helping you or a loved one live a substance-free life. Information at relevantradio.com slash Gregory. That's relevantradio.com slash Gregory. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, today speaking with Father Paul Hazing. He is the president, rector of Kenrick Glennon Seminary in St. Louis. Today talking about the Holy Spirit, very specifically the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to dive into both of those categories here, look at them a little more closely, uh, but also inviting you into the conversation. If you have a question, you're welcome to call in and speak with Father Paul Hazing. And the phone number here, 888-914-9149, So, Father, um, I, I guess as kind of just a beginning here, we might think, well, gifts of the Holy Spirit, fruits of the Holy Spirit, they sound kind of similar. They're, they're both coming from the Holy Spirit. But just so there's not any confusion, in a general kind of, you know, 20,000-foot uh, uh, look down at these two categories, what really separates and distinguishes the two from each other? I, I think it might be helpful to think of the fruits in that uh, sort of botanical way, that these, these are the manifestations of the health of a person in the spiritual life. So a healthy tree will produce healthy fruit. This was Jesus's point, right? Uh, a bad tree does not produce good fruit. A good tree produces good fruit. And so he's making that statement, not just botanically, but spiritually. The fruits of the Holy Spirit are those expressions of the life that's healthy and full and, and, and giving of itself. That's, that's the, what we always understand of love, that love and goodness is diffusive of itself. And so the fruits will be able to build up people around them. And we can see these expressions of building up people around them in the fruits. Whereas the gifts... I mean, we, we, we might distinguish between the spiritual gifts, which were, are really of the benefit of the person, the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, that the person, uh, the individual who has these gifts, really benefits, and the charismatic gifts, wherein the church benefits, uh, because the person has been gifted, that the Holy Spirit is working through them instrumentally in a very 
uh, effective way. So going back to the fruits, they're for others. The gifts are more for the person or instrumentally the person is being given to the church in this way as a gift. So hopefully that makes a distinction. Uh, so, I, yes, it does give a distinction. Um, when we look at, uh, you know, St. Paul, he lifts out some of the, lists out some of these different gifts of the Holy Spirit, specifically in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, his letter to the Corinthians there. And he says that each person receives only certain ones that, you know, to some the Holy Spirit gives such and such to another, you know, gives other gifts. But I guess, you know, that also, the the list there, the traditional seven that you were talking about, is St. Paul, is he talking about something different than the gift of the just the Holy Spirit itself? Because that, that also seems to be one of those things we see in Scripture, that you're given the gift of the Holy Spirit, but then there are gifts from the Holy Spirit. Does Do you understand what I'm saying? Sure, sure. There's the primacy of the gift of a personal, lived, relational, loving life in God. There's the gift of communion. And then out of that communion comes these specific gifts, which are received according to the mode of receiver. And so it's a way of saying, look, everyone's different. Everyone has a particular receptivity to the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that particular receptivity is in these gifts that everyone receives, but everyone receives according to their capacity or mode of receiving. And so let's name some of those specific capacities that we have as humans in our mind, wisdom, counsel, understanding, knowledge in our soul, fortitude, piety, fear of the Lord. And then to look again at some of those charismatic gifts in the persons that have different capacities. Some have a capacity of mind that's faith-filled or they're, they're offered this healing gift that works through them. So I think it's a, everyone gets the gift of the Holy Spirit, but we're not all the same. And that's Paul's point. We can't all be the eye. We can't all be the foot. Some are given these in the body of Christ in a particular way for a particular time. How, how do you think we go about discerning? You know, you, you talk about wisdom, understanding, counsel, knowledge. I mean, so much of those that are kind of that intellectual side, but then you also mention, mm -hmm. you know, the gift of healing or the gift of faith, things that are able to be used for relational, you know, uh, uh, mm -hmm. uh, means with other people. How do we discern, do I have one of these, or, you know, maybe are there a couple that the Holy Spirit has given me? How do we discern if we have those? And then the the next question would be, okay, if I do know what those gifts are, how do I then kind of grow into those so that I use them the way God wants me to use them? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think, first of all, we ask, we petition, we ask for the light to see. I mean, that's such a beautiful petition from the blind man. I think it should be for all of us. Please, Lord, let me see. Let me see the gifts that you have poured out in abundance and lavished me. And, and let me see them as you see them. And 
oftentimes the best seeing happens with others, not on our own. So it's important not to make any of this discernment exercise, introspection, or um, navel-gazing. But if I'm going to see the way you see Jesus, then I'm going to be asking to see how others are seeing me. Because there's a potency in their observation. Jesus says it so well. He says, just stop judging, right? He's like, stop judging. And there are about four things we're really bad at judging. Namely, what God is up to, which is why we have scripture, tradition, magisterium, all of these helps, catechism, the church. We're, We're bad at judging others' motives. We're certainly bad at judging what other people think of us. And we're certainly bad at judging ourselves. And so to refrain from discernment as judgment and introspection and let discernment be observation, paying attention, especially to the responses of others, and especially to circumstances and how they're manifesting the gifts. So, for example, the gift of, um, well, let's just do the spiritual, one of the seven spiritual gifts, the gifts of wisdom. Um, I'm going through life and uh, people keep coming to me for advice, counsel, And it's not just things I know how to do, but they're actually coming to me with their stories. And they're doing so in a repeated, intimate, and vulnerable way. There's something of wisdom and counsel that's being activated and seen in you by this repeated experience of encounters. There's a gift of counsel in you. And people are finding it because you keep having these encounters. They're not asking for them. You're not putting your shingle out. You're not advertising for it. It's just happening. I think that's a really important point about the gifts, that there's a clarity and a simplicity and an ease about the spiritual gifts, those seven spiritual gifts. My favorite image for this, I went to a state track meet, and um, we talk about gifted athletes. And in this case, this man, he won four races. So he got runner-up by himself as a team, because he won four races. And one of them was the 400. I watched him run it. It was his specialty. And everyone around him was straining with every fiber of their being. If you ever watched a 400 meter race, it is a grueling race. He ran it quicker than anybody else in the high school that year. And he ran it with this look of pleasure and ease and calmness on his face. He won by 10 meters. He was a gifted runner, and his giftedness in running, his strength, his speed, can't be taught. It's happening in him. And just to watch him run that race in a gifted fashion moved me into a peace and a joy and a gentleness for the rest of the day to watch someone that gifted, the fruit of the Spirit, if you will, coming alive in me because that person is gifted in that way. So just to understand it that way. Well, so let's let's kind of follow that analogy then too because you know, whether it is somebody who is a gifted athlete and it looks mm-hmm. effortless for them or you know, relatively, mm-hmm. uh, you could say the mm-hmm. same thing with musicians that you watch where mm-hmm. they have spent years upon years, decades of their life perfecting their ability to play a certain instrument or, you know, really be able to deliver on certain songs. The thing there 
because I think anybody who has, you know, excelled in one area or another, they've probably had people say, oh, you know, you, you really are gifted. You are talented in that area. But mm-hmm. with the track athlete, if he would have never gone to a track practice before, if he hadn't been training his body to be able to run that 400 meters. I mean, anybody who tries to sprint around a track one lap, they'll find out really quickly if you have not built up that endurance, if you've not trained your body, your muscles to be able to do that, your, your, your lung capacity, all those things coming together, there has to be the work that's put in before. And the people who show up and just see the end result at the track meet, they weren't there the weeks or the months or the years before watching that athlete as they're training or watching the musician as they're working on that piece of music and picking apart, you know, one measure at a time or, you know, this line so they can really fine tune that one arpeggio or that one scale uh, that, that comes mm-hmm. to bring things together. So uh, the reason I'm, I'm saying this comes down to then if we have that gift that is given to us by the Holy Spirit, how do we then train or prepare ourselves? What is the work that we can do understanding once we've discerned that gift that allows us then to bring it out in that effortless effortless manner in the way that we impact the world around us, that we build up the body of Christ? Yeah. I think you've I think you've touched on it the way you've described that training uh, unless they've been in that training the gift is not revealed as a gifted reality for the person so I would say the way we uh, activate and realize the gifts is by living life on life's terms and for some people they're living this life that's really arduous And what's the gift that's coming alive and at work in them? Boy, they have a ton of fortitude because the circumstances of their life, the situations they find themselves in, they're not asking for this stuff. It's just what they live in. Or the person lives in a place that really is uh, intemperate. (laughs) You could say this is a very intemperate age. And the gift of temperance, of, of, of fear of the Lord, is really alive in them. They're deeply humble that everything that is good and happening in them is good is coming from the Lord. And so the circumstances of life combined with our willingness to accept and live in them honestly is the training, if you will. And I love that word you used. They play. It doesn't look like work. It's really play for them. They come alive in this gift whether it's counsel or fortitude or fear of the Lord, they come alive in that humility, in that, in that gift. The gift is they're coming alive. And so it doesn't seem like something arduous. It seems like something really life-giving. Talking with Father Paul Hazing today here on The Inner Life. He's the president, rector of Kenrick Lennon Seminary in St. Louis, talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're also going to be talking about the fruits of the Holy Spirit coming up next here on The Inner Life. If you have a question, you're welcome to call in. We'd also love to hear how God has worked in your life. We'd love to hear your story of how God has manifested 
maybe that one gift or a few gifts of the Holy Spirit or how you have seen the fruit of the Holy Spirit really apparent in your life. Maybe it's been in the life of somebody else that you love, somebody that you know, you know, a family member, a loved one, and you've seen how God has worked through them and those gifts or the fruits of the Holy Spirit as they have then been able to impact maybe you yourself or others that you know in that circle of friends and loved ones. Our phone number that you can call in and join the program, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And our conversation continues in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Today we'd like to thank Heather, who's listening in Michigan, for donating her Honda. Join thousands of other listeners in donating old vehicles by visiting relevantradio.com car today. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond. So glad to have you joining us here for this hour that we dedicate every single day to topics of spiritual direction so we can know our faith better. And by knowing our faith, that allows us to live our faith better. And I want to say thank you to my producer, Nick Sentovich, also to Thomas Engesser, who is screening your phone calls. And if you would like to call in and join the program today, the number 888-914-9149, And today, talking with Father Paul Hazing about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Talked about the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the last segment, and if you joined us late, I'd encourage you after the program ends, go back and listen to the entire hour. Listen to the podcast. It'll be posted at our website, relevantradio.com, or you can find the podcast on the Relevant Radio app. So, Father Hazing, as we now turn and look at the fruits of the Holy Spirit, We have this where St. Paul, it's in his letter to the Galatians, the church there at Galatia, he, towards the end of the fifth chapter, he gives this list of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and he does this actually in response to a list he's just given right before this, and it's a list that he terms the works of the flesh. And this is part of a larger kind of overarching theme in this letter that he's written to the Galatians, kind of telling them you need to get your act together. You need to hold true to the faith that I originally taught you and not let it be corrupted or revised by anyone or anything. So then we have this list that he gives, this these spiritual fruits, again, to give contrast to the things that he warns them and then by extension us, all of us now, uh, to avoid. Uh, so when we're looking at this, it looks like this is such an easy, I guess, a barometer or a litmus test for us to say, if I have these fruits in my life and I don't have those works of the flesh, as St. Paul terms them in, in my life, or if I'm, I'm you know, leaning heavier on the fruits, then that means I'm probably making good progress in the spiritual life. I would think you could also look and say, if those seem to be lacking and those works of the flesh are the things that seem to be more evident in my life, well, that should be concerning. That should be worrisome. I have some work to do. Amen. Yeah, Paul is such a, a, a man of charity, right? And, and as a pastor with pastoral charity, the best thing we can, we can do for another person is help them orient their lives and orient toward communion. Because the big problem in every age 
it's as old as Adam and Eve, and Paul knows this, and he wants the Galatians to be convinced of this, and that is isolation and hiding. Adam and Eve isolate and hide from God and from one another. And the, those, uh, if you will, fruits of the flesh that he names, I think he names like almost 15 of them. It's a pretty extensive list. Right. And uh, it, it's, it's an extensive list so that the person can really pick up on the theme. And the theme is, if you do these things, you're going to feel and experience more and more isolation and more and more fruitlessness, more and more, more futility. And on the other hand, if you really engage the life of the spirit, you will have in its fullness this, uh, this fruitfulness. And he lists nine fruits of the spirit. And um, I think Thomas lists 12. Uh, he just expands on the fact that self-control includes continence and chastity and modesty and, and which really counter that that most counterfeit way to think we can have communion is through sexual um, um, promiscuity uh, and, and it doesn't allow for it there's no real communion there and so just to hear Paul orient his listener and say listen if you have these going on in your life check the isolation if you have these going on in your life Notice the communion mm. and give thanks there. The Holy Spirit is all about that communion. Uh, so unlike the gifts where he very specifically says to some, the Spirit has given this gift to others, this gift, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you said we're all, we're all different people. With the fruits of the Holy Spirit, though, do we have the potential to grow in all of these areas? The ones that St. Paul lists, he, he says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, Mm -hmm. faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So Mm -hmm. is this one where, because if we are cultivating, as you kind of went back to that idea at the beginning, what what do we look at? Mm -hmm. Well, take the word fruit and that idea of cultivation. If we are cultivating the fruits of the Holy Spirit, do we have that potential to grow in all of these fruits, all of these areas in our lives? Amen. And the, the, the Holy Spirit has the potential in every person to bring alive these fruits uh, in, an, in an equal way, if you will, because it's the Spirit doing it. Um, and so there, there's a certain um, equality, if you will, but it's going uh, to be characterized by the particular person. So some persons will express their joy, their peace, their patience, their kindness in their own particular way. Some persons will express their goodness and faithfulness and gentleness in their own particular way. Think of the gentleness of your mom versus the gentleness of your father. Think of the, the joyfulness of your teacher versus the, the joyfulness of your coach. Think of the patience of your siblings versus the patience of your friends. I mean, these fruits of the Holy Spirit get expressed differently, but they're there. Right. And Paul's really naming them in this blanket way so as to help catch his listeners into that life of the Spirit, which is so much more winsome and so much more, well, here are the fruits. If you want more of that, 
let's stay with the life of the Spirit. Right. Uh, okay, so if if I, I look and I say, well, I seem like I'm doing good in, you know, these areas, like you're talking mm. about, you know, that maybe I'm I'm a pretty generous person or I'm, I'm okay on, you know, the gentleness or the self-control, but... I seem to be kind of lacking in peace or I'm, I'm not very patient with mm. people or, you know, what, if, if there's one of these fruits where I look at myself and I say, eh, it just seems to be a little lacking or I feel like there should be a little bit more, any suggestions of, you know, I mean, first thing would mm. be, of course, go to God in prayer and ask for an increase in that area. But anything else that you might recommend that we do that can help us grow in that area, be more receptive to the way that the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. wants to grow that fruit in our lives? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, first of all, I, I love to help people refrain from shooting on themselves, if you will. Which one should I grow? Should I, am I, am I, am I doing this well enough? Should I do? So just to refrain from the, the drivenness of a should and to move into an examine, which says this, where in my day did patience come alive for me? Where in my day did gentleness really reveal itself? And so where the fruits are being manifest and I'm cooperating, I'm not pushing or making happen. I'm simply observing more and more because I find, I find a lot of times people will talk about something they might be lacking in when in fact, if I examine the day with them, it's there in abundance. They just have a very... Uh, dark image of themselves. Uh, and th- I find that a lot in the modern age. Uh, there's a lot of people who live with very dark and pessimistic images of themselves. And it helps to have a friend reveal just how abundant a fruit might be actually happening in their life. So to refrain from the should and move into an examen can facilitate a greater awareness of the fruits coming alive. Yeah. Well, it's, really it sounds like you're kind of exercise. Yeah. It sounds like you're saying you might be, you know, too deep in the forest. You can't see the forest for the trees kind of thing just in yeah. your own life. Yeah. Good to get that outside kind of vantage point mm-hmm. perspective from somebody mm-hmm. that you trust. Uh, Father, let's try and get a phone call on here. We're running a little short on time, but Susan is calling in from San Francisco. Susan, welcome to The Inner Life. You're on the air with Father Hazing. Uh, thank you. Father, I have I jumped into the middle of listening to the radio and you were describing perfectly what people have said my gifts are for the past 40 years, 35, 40 years. What I would like to ask you is uh, what sort of signs would there be that, no, it's not really a gift um, it, because I get such pushback and uh, negativity, and not that I'm trying to win a popularity contest in any of this, but do you, uh, can you tell me something that, no, you don't have that gift. People have just said that, and you, does that make sense, the question? Hmm. Yeah, I can hear, if we're judging the gifts based upon uh, simply the response of uh, other people, we might need to discern who these people are. So there are some who uh, are very much not alive in the spirit, uh, very much disconnected from the life of God and 
and they're very much connected to that kind of life of the flesh and discouragement. And so I'd want to be cautious about listening to that um, crowd, if you will. Whereas if somebody is praying, they're living the life of the Spirit, they're going to recognize the gifts alive in another person. So I would discern, first of all, the crowd that's speaking. And uh, we see that very well with the, the blind man. There's a crowd that says to the blind man, stop crying out. Stop asking. And Jesus brings that man to the fore and offers to the crowd a correction there. That oftentimes the gifted one is the one who's rejected in the midst, who's not listened to in the midst. And so that would move me to my second point, and that is when you're living the life of the Spirit and the gift is alive in you, uh, there will be uh, an ease in you, a confidence in you, a simplicity in you, and a real charity in you. And if you want to know what charity looks like, Paul's letter to the Corinthians doesn't brood over injury, it bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. And so there's a, a capacity to carry in yourself the gift without that discouragement. So discern the crowd and discern your inner life. Is there is there encouragement and ease for you there? Yeah. Just to- Susan, I hope that helps. And I really like that you brought back 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and what St. Paul talks about in regards to how everything needs to be done out of charity, out of love, because he even makes the point, you know, it doesn't matter what I say. I could have, I could be the most eloquent speaker. I could have amazing things to say, but I, if I do it without mm-hmm. love, it's this annoying sound, you know, this, this gong <laughs> that's ringing mm-hmm. in the background rather than being something beautiful and eloquent. Um, so, you know, that, that really, I think, is, is so key. Um, Father, we're down to about our last minute here. Before we wrap up, if somebody wants to be able to learn a little bit more about the fruits of the Spirit or the gifts of the Holy Spirit, or just learn about the Holy Spirit, any resources you might recommend uh, that they turn to? Hey, the catechism is the best. Right. I don't know how we get around the catechism. The, the, the Holy Spirit described in the catechism is so rich. I just spent some days with it before coming on this program. and It's, it's got such a, a forcefulness because it's so scripturally based. And, and you just look at the footnotes, you're like, this is all scripture coming alive in the church. And so the catechism is your go-to place. But there are a lot of very good resources with the charismatic movement online that you can find, especially for those charismatic gifts, which are so necessary for building up the church. Check those out. Beautiful. Father Hazing, about 30 seconds left. Could I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners? Sure. Almighty God, send forth the gifts of your Spirit, and let us come alive in those gifts for the good of the church and the good of the whole world, that we may be a light to the world and offer your blessing. Bless us all now in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Thanks so much. Really nice talking with you, Father. And uh, look forward to speaking with you again sometime in the near future. Uh, Thank you for being a part of the program and listening. Again, if you joined us late and you'd like to listen to the entire podcast, find it online at RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. Stay tuned. Mass coming up next, followed by The Faith Explained with Cale Clark, where he is in the midst of a series dealing with... Old Testament, Old Covenant controversies, and he's looking over these this week and next week, four key issues, evolution, history, violence, and sexuality. What does the Bible say about that in the Old Testament? Hope you stay with us here on Relevant Radio.